I remember going out to USC one night, you know, they're ordering drinks and pitchers and I'm drinking, you know, soda. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, you know, by the Absolutely. second pitcher, I already realized it's like, oh my gosh, I, I can't connect to these guys. All right, Di. Hey, welcome to the business line, bud. How are you doing today? Yeah, I'm feeling great, man. It's Friday and uh, just got back from a few hours of coaching and I'm like, just feel all amped up. You know, I feel great. This is like awesome, just man. a perfect hey, you, next step Where are you joining us day. from today? Where are you? I'm based in Vancouver, Canada. You're in, okay, you're in BC. Yes. Yeah. Very cool. So it's uh, in college, I had uh, my roommate who at the time we were really good friends. He was from Chilliwack right outside oh, no of- way. <laughs> right outside of Vancouver. <laughs> the whack. The whack, we call yeah, it. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. We actually took a, on a fall break. We drove to Edmonton to because we had a guy on a baseball team in college who was homesick. Yeah. He was a freshman. We yeah. drove him to Edmonton and like a day and a half, it felt like. It was crazy. And a, a Nissan Ultima, like five people in a Nissan oh, Ultima. Wow. And then we... We we went to the the mall there, that huge mall in Edmonton. I can't remember what it's yeah, called. West Edmonton Mall. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. it's giant. And and then we drove all the way across Canada through the Rockies to Chilliwack nonstop, spent a wow. day there, and then drove home through the US. It was no it was nuts. way. That's a road trip and a half, man. That's yeah. a lot of miles in a couple of days. <laughs> so, so what's the weather like in, in uh, Vancouver today? You know, today it's just gray. It's yeah. dry though, but it's great. Yeah, that's good. And uh, yeah, so it's uh, you know I, I don't mind it. I mean, I, I tell everybody if you want to live in the Pacific Northwest, you you gotta be okay with the rain and the gray. You know, yeah. So it's uh, well, I'm in Wisconsin, so it's we got oh. the sun for yesterday, but it's it's back nice. to to gray and <laughs> gray and snow in this morning. And anyway, anyway, that's okay. It's Friday, it's all good. So. Um, tell us a little bit about yourself, Di. One of one of the things I, I just uh, you know tell tell me about what you're doing now. But I'm super interested in how you got to what you're doing now, and uh, let's let's dig into that a little bit. Yeah, you know, it, it, I mean, anybody can probably attest to this. I, I mean, our lives are sort of like that ongoing hero's journey, right? We're we're constantly seeking to improve ourselves, and, and whether we, you know, pay attention to that little feeling in us, it's like, hey, can I be doing a bit more? Can I be a bit better? Can I can I be greater today than I was yesterday? You know, and I think everybody has sort of that inkling in them, but entrepreneurs have it in a big way, you know, mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. they, they actually look at their their businesses as that extension of their person. And at least that's how I've always sort of approached it. And it's been nothing uh, anywhere close to a straight line, my journey. Okay. And most people probably can attest it's similar. You know, I, I didn't naturally come to entrepreneurship, even though I sort of observed it through my parents growing yeah. up. Especially my mom, she always had a side hustle. Always. <laughs> Government gig, but side hustle on the weekends, yeah. right? So yep, yep. got to watch that, grew up with that. And, and then my dad was very entrepreneurial, but uh, as a professional, uh, as a veterinary, um, like an animal doctor, right? Okay, and yeah, uh, yeah. so it was interesting having these sort of duality in my home. And, uh, you know, and then fast forward a number of years, I just got into the fitness thing because I went through a huge transformation going from obesity teenager to a really healthy and fit human being. And uh, that two-year process really solidified my passion for helping others with transformations as well. And, you know, I've done that lots of different ways with multiple businesses over yeah, the yeah. last 30 years, but I'm just a dude from Vancouver dating his <laughs> wife for 23 years. And I got two daughters, they're 19 and 21 now. And wow. I mean, that's really, I, I don't really have any titles, but th those would be the ones that I actually care about, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Dad, husband. Yeah. Hey, so let's let's uh dig in so you said as a teen you're struggling yeah. with some obesity yeah what what was the tipping point what got you to click was it was it was it an issue was it a scare was it i'm sick of this i want to do better what happened yeah it's a bit of all that to be to be honest it was a period of about five years to get to that breaking point if you will and you know from about age nine ten i just I, I, my parents went through a separation, then a divorce, and it was just, mm. you know, my brother it's and tough. I had a lot of autonomy, not, you know, I'm a kid of the 80s, totally yeah, date myself Yeah, we all did. Right we had now. some freedom. Dude, right? we had a lot, right? Like, I miss it. Gosh. <laughs> it was crazy. Go back. Man, I love, I, I know, and I really enjoyed the 80s, but also because, you know, video game consoles were all over the place. Yeah. I remember, you know, I played a lot of video games, watched movies, and ate a lot of unhealthy food. So, oh, yeah. you know, compound that over five years. I mean, it's not rocket science to figure out that... 
I was definitely putting a lot more calories in than I needed and wasn't burning any off. And so eventually got to this place of being very overweight. But it's because I was eating my emotions, you know, mm -hmm. my psychology. It just gave me this instant relief. Got to go to my little happy place and ignore the challenges around me. And, uh, you know, my parents did the best they could with what they had back then, but there's sure. still a lot of stigmatization around divorce. You know, not like yeah. today. We have these statistics that are rather scary today around, you know, divorce. And You can see the long-term uh, effects of what started yeah. happening back there when it just became so prevalent, right? I, I agree. I agree. And and so it was just weird because it didn't really have any of that emotional or psychological support. So, you know, you're sort of left to your own volitions and you just do what you Figure do. And um, I was there too when I was about nine really? or 10. I was, yeah, I mean, I, fourth grade, I was... Five two and one hundred and thirty four pounds. Yeah, okay. I was a big. I was a big kid. Yeah. I was chunky. I was hefty, as they might have said back then. <laughs> and but I would come home from school. I yeah. get. I turn on the cartoons, and I'd grab a can of spaghettios, pop them open, and I wouldn't even warm them up. I just boom, boom, boom. And if nice. if, if if there was enough <laughs> adrenaline beside behind what I was doing or watching, yeah. I go another one. You know, I yeah. might have two cans of spaghettios just as a snack when i get home that's like maybe five or six hundred calories or more yeah and as a kid i could burn it i was active but yeah it was just and then i'd have two giant hamburgers for dinner and wow. i'd wake up and have sausage bread and i was from texas at the time i lived in oh, texas yeah. sausage yeah. bread and butter and maybe some eggs for, you know so it just kept pounding but yeah. but you did say about the activity piece right if you were active i mean that's I mean, it's, I played baseball you know, and stuff like that yeah. but the the weight that weight on that that frame i yeah. started to have heel problems I so i had to have inserts because i was running and like my uh achilles tendon started to separate from my heels but it got better i mean lifestyle changes is funny because yeah. at the time i was i was a foster kid but i had great great family that that way but i had to go back and li live with my mom totally different situation i didn't have access to all that food and stuff anymore yeah. And I didn't want to stick around the house. I was outside more because if I stuck around the house, I was doing chores. But I, got, <laughs> I got more active, ate less, lost all that weight. And yeah. think, you know, at the time I was like, bummer as a kid, you know, I wanted the other feedback, but it was really better for me. It was way better for me. And, that, and you know, it's, it's kind of cool too, you know, to take note of just sort of what you were experiencing there. Because I mean, going outside and just being active, it actually is very enjoyable. You know, there's a lot of, I mean, now science has caught up to tell us that there's 101 benefits to doing that. But I mean, mm -hmm. I think if you just li listen to your own gut and your instincts, like we tend to feel better, you know, after being active outdoors. I mean, it doesn't matter going for a brisk walk, going for a run, going for a bike ride, you know, like hanging out with friends at the park. Like it's, it's amazing how it can be very cathartic, but at the same time, very healthy on a lot of different ways. So, you know, the fact that you had that intuition back then is great. Um, I didn't have that. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't even like, know if it was intuition. It was forced upon me. Well, yeah, you know? but you still went along with it. And I think that's a good thing, man. So hindsight, you know, I'm thinking, Hey, yeah. that worked out. Yeah. <laughs> but totally I, did. there was more struggles for me. So for you, you switched, yeah. started getting healthier. What were you doing at the, in that, those teenage years and into your young adult to, to kind of like yeah. change that? I, I, well, it started with me just, you know, getting to a place where I was actually more fearful of the future that was staring me in the face based on my habits at the time. You know, and, and I, I explain it like I just was looking at myself in the mirror one day after getting out of the shower and it was just like instant shock. It was the first time I really acknowledged my physique at that point at mm. 15. And and I broke down in this very cathartic, ugly sob, you know, and, mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. um, you know, it, it was very, you know, I got a lot of release from that, that emotion because obviously I was building a lot. And, sure. um, but I came out of the bathroom with this, just this, this desire to not be like that anymore. And I just knew I had to move away from where I was. And what I mean by that was just start doing things I wasn't doing. And the things that I was doing, I just acknowledged that I should probably stop doing that as much. Yeah. Like eating the certain foods and just not moving my body, playing video games all day and watching movies. You know, like I just, I said, I got to start moving and I got to just eat differently. Now I, I had zero knowledge or understanding what that meant, yeah. but this is all, you know, my kids, they, they always laugh because I'm like, I went to the library, got books out on fitness and nutrition. You know, I'm age 15. I'm just driving. It's the equivalent of Googling it, it now, well, right? Or my, looking my up a YouTube like, Why video. Why don't you just Google it, Dad? I'm like, I'm older than Google. You guys have no idea <laughs> right. what the world is like, you know? And uh, wow. it's it's it was good, though, because I educated myself and, and that gave me clarity. But it also started to give me a bit of confidence on what to start doing. And I just started biking every day, started changing how I ate. You know, within about a month, I started to experience uh, what I felt was a really positive win. You know, there was a big hill that I would be on my bike ride. And the first couple of weeks, I'd have to walk the bike up the hill. Yeah. But it was about a month in 
I'm like attacking that hill. And I got all the way to the top without getting off the bike. And that's where it really clicked for me that my goodness, changes are happening. And, and that got me more excited. And, you know, 20 months later, I released the weight, you know, uh, really established some new health routines. I started doing strength training, a bit of cardio, but I really loved the weights. Did you kind of change who you were surrounding yourself with, uh, purposefully or on accident or yeah, like a lot of, a lot of the times when people around us that we, uh, align ourselves with, you know, naturally or organically, they start to see a change in us. And it's like the blue crabs trying to pull us back down into the bucket. Yeah. No, 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 you're not getting free. Get back down here and eat some cheese poofs. You know, we, <laughs> how about how about a two liter of, of Dr. Pepper? You know, you want some, right? It, like there's some of that. D- did you, or did you just kind of have to remove yourself and just... I. For, for me, you know, it wasn't so much the friend groups that I had because I didn't really have a lot of tight social connections. I had a okay. few friends okay. that I knew yeah. from when I was younger to older, but it, it became more pronounced and really I was more aware of like just social influence when I moved out west from Ontario. So I grew up just outside of Toronto in, in Ontario, okay. you know, hit 18 graduated high school i was like i'm moving west yeah just like the song says you know go west young man and i went west and uh you know and, and i never looked back but yeah. it was also this idea that i could sort of start fresh and that really excited me because i also grew up in a small town and you know like like people said well what kept you motivated to keep going and i was like well to be perfectly honest i wanted a girlfriend you know yeah. i did i, I That's wanted a somebody to want motivating me factor yeah you know, but like, here's what I love to hear. What I love about your story so far is what I'm hearing is, and this doesn't happen with, and sometimes it's by accident, but most of the time it doesn't happen this way. Most of the time we, we, we turn in, you have that sobbing moment and you find someone or something to blame yes. and you just keep leaning on that as opposed to taking responsibility and owning it because at that point you keep control of doing something about it, right? As Correct. opposed to, oh, it's not my fault. It's the divorce. It's it's my mom's yeah. fault, or it's my dad's fault, or it's, or it's you know, it's always it's never sunny outside. And it's always cold. So that's why I don't go outside, right? It's, then you lose all control to do anything about it, right? So Very that's what I so. think is really fascinating about your story is that you got to that point and you said, nope, I'm gonna get after it, and you did. I did, and it, you know, and it took time. You know, but it took me five years to put it on. So really taking 20 months to take it off didn't seem that bad. Right. Mm -hmm. And I was like, and it didn't matter because I just kept experiencing these little wins because I also kickstarted my puberty. I I was very late to puberty because it had been heavily retarded based on, absolutely, you know, my lack of activity. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I was late to, to mature, but as soon as I started taking care of my health, all of a sudden testosterone kicks in, you know, I grew about seven inches over a span of that 20 months as well. Dang. And, and so it, everything ended up working in my favor, but had I not made that change when I did, who knows what would have happened by the time I was 20, you know? And, yeah. uh, um, like, I still like to think that I would have made some changes, but you know, I was so focused on the exterior. And I think that's the thing, you know, when you're younger, it's all about perception and mm-hmm. how people perceive us. And I mean, today I look at what my kids have had to endure with just social media and that influence. I mean, uh, we we are influenced all the time, but the, the amount of information that's coming at us nowadays and these images that are coming at us and these subconscious sort of yep. underpinnings of, of some of the marketing channels, it, it's it's harder for kids today where I think back then I was fortunate that I didn't have to deal with a lot of that additional pressure. It was hard enough, you know, and um, to be perfectly uh, transparent, you know, I around 18, uh, I really started drinking though, because uh, I had done all this external changing Canada and you can, well, you can, yeah, at 19 or 18, depending on the province. When I was that age, I was trying yeah. to go into Canada, so I know, I could. you probably, yeah. <laughs> and I did. I hear that a lot from my American buddies, you know, and, uh, and, and fair enough. But, but the thing was for me, it was also because I, I, I needed a crutch, man. I, I was feeling so low about myself still. I realized I still had the mentality of that obese kid. I was still sort of mm, constantly okay. looking at people in fear of judgment, comparing myself to others, feeling like an imposter. Mm-hmm. I mean, I understand how to frame it now, but back then I just like, I was really shy and introverted. And I discovered later on in my later years of high school, even though I made these physical changes, started getting invited out by different social groups, I still felt myself not engaging or interacting. But then I was introduced to alcohol and I was like, whoa. There goes those dis- disinhibitors, right? Completely. And and then I started to get engagement from all these people. You know, I started dating some girls. Like it just, I was hanging out with what I believed were the cool guys, you know? Yep. And, and the thing was, is that I believe deep down that 
they preferred hanging out with the guy that was the drinking version of me than the regular version. And I was looking to prove that every chance I got. And in improving that, I, I really started to solidify this belief that, you know, to really get to know people and connect with them, I'm going to have to be drinking. Yep. And that perpetuated a 15-year journey. Even when I was scaling my last business, you know, with a business partner, um, I did that for 17 years, but a good chunk of those years, you know, I'm, I'm raising a small family, you know, young, we started having kids younger and, you know, have this company and it's growing. Mm. And on top of that, trying to manage my own health and my, my own sort of physical health. And, uh, and on top of that, I'm like the weekend warrior or, you know, every opportunity to have a drink with somebody, I would take it. It was, yeah. uh, it was a pretty hard Been there, done that years. as well, for sure. <laughs> for sure. I think so uh, many of us go through that. Like, yeah, I was, it's, it's, it's funny, like uh, early 2000s, um, I met a, a, at the time, a best friend and it's funny, it was around playing video games online. I was just short out of college. I was working for yeah. the school in fundraising and, and then, you know, we we met and kind of were fast friends. We had lunch. He was starting up a computer business here in Wisconsin, and we got to be really good friends. And my I was uh, my career was in nonprofit administration and fundraising and stuff, and that was starting to go in a good direction. And then all of a sudden, it hit a hit a wall, mm. and I really started to question what I wanted to do. I didn't want to go that direction anymore. And he was there and gave me an opportunity to, to come into his company and help him in a sales capacity. And I still feel blessed to have that opportunity, <laughs> but a lot of our friendship and a lot of uh, what we had built together was was around those those same kind of principles. Uh, I think we knew and trusted each other pretty well, but at the same time, it was always around a party. It was it's, always around wow. those personalities that came out. Yeah. You know, they're inside of us. You know, yeah. but to come out when when you start drinking or something and. It it eventually caught up to both of us, right? And um, we're not we're not that close anymore and, at all, sure. honestly, because you, you, things happen and you lose trust, and you gotta one one person like so for me and I chose my family, I chose that direction, and uh, more of kind of I I can't really speak for him anymore. I don't think yeah. he's, you know, inherently a bad person, but he chose kind of this this different direction and his vector, I think he's doing all right and I'm, you know, blessed and highly favored um uh too. But getting getting down to the root of of depending on, you know, mm -hmm. things like alcohol mm -hmm. to to carry you through and those things so so what happened is it just started kind of build to, to where you and, and all of a sudden the dam broke or what pretty much yeah and my, my kids were about four and six at the time i had just turned 32 mm. and you know our company it was pretty close to a best year i think we almost did eight million in retail revenue that year you know it was, it was a good year um professionally speaking and mm -hmm. things are just rocking and rolling and Meanwhile, I had maintained this sort of, I work really hard, but man, I can party harder, you know? Yeah. And, and until I got to a place where I just, I, I was quite literally out of control for lack of a better term, because it, I, the drinking version of me was just becoming the dominant personality. And, and, you know, kids, especially at that age are, are sponges. They just absorb things. They observe things. And my wife got to a breaking point where, you know, one night, I, again, I, didn't come home until the wee hours and mm. even then woke up on the floor beside the bed the next morning, not even remembering how I got there. And, you know, we had a, a very serious heart to heart, you know, where she was now discussing with me what life was going to be like to co-parent our kids separately. Mm. And she was very decided on that fact that, you know, this is not the environment to raise our kids in anymore. So something has to change. And if that means you moving out, so be it. And, you know, we, we both were shedding tears because neither of us really wanted that. You know, right. kids are in the other room watching like Dora the Explorer, right? And all I can hear is back, 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 back. Anyways. Yeah. Uh, I, and now it's Bluey with my kids. Oh, is it Bluey? <laughs> oh, man. Bluey's pretty sweet though. Bluey, Bluey's a neat show. I like Bluey. Uh, that, like, yeah, I, I miss Each Bluey's. one of their little kids is one of my kids. Oh, is uh, it? Golly. Like there's the, uh, there's like the cousin named Muffin. Yeah. She's super naughty. That's my five-year-old girl. <laughs> And I love her to death for it, but like, oh man, like any if anybody's watching, they know about Muffin. Muffin's a crazy person. 
but that's Miami. But anyway, sorry. To- so good. I miss <laughs> yeah, that one. Obviously, came after the fact for us. So it yeah, was. Yeah. Uh, um, your kid, your kiddos are old. I've got a twelve, a ten, a five, and a two year old. <laughs> oh my goodness, man! The whole. So spectrum I'm forty four. We we waited yeah. a little bit. Yeah. Because we because like we're talking about those years, like where yeah. priorities our priorities were us. You know, yeah. like if we don't have fun now, we're gonna miss out. And yeah. there's there's things I would do different going back. But anyway. And, you know, to be fair, like, we'll get to it in a sec, but I, I mean, we were sort of the same way, you know, with our kids when they were young, but it also, we, we came to a point where we decided to pull the kids out of school, give away our stuff and go traveling for five years as a family. Cool. Yeah. And uh, we'll, we'll chat a bit about that, but it, that happened later after the transformation of giving up alcohol, you know, like it was, I got to a point, you know, so here I am staring down at my wife at the end of the table and we're talking about what it's going to be like to, to have to divorce and how we're going to raise our kids together and and um, I didn't want it. She didn't want it. We were exchanging tears. And just, she asked me a question. And, and this is a question that like has been my guiding principle for almost the last 15 years. Is just constantly asking myself this question. Because it, it's amazing. When you get a good question, you know, it, it can it really bring out of us the, the right Right question can produce the right sort of introspection. And, Absolutely. And, Questions and are huge. And, and it is. It's really. And so she asked me, she goes, die. Are you being the type of man that you would want to marry your daughters? And I, it was like instant. I felt like, you know, I sort of got kicked between the legs and punched, you know, in the nose at the same time. Yeah. And I was just like gutted. And it was just because the first time, you know, also being someone that worked in sales and was very good at dealing with challenging conversations at times. Yeah. Uh, I, I sort of prided myself on being able to talk myself out of anything. Right. And yet and you're like, oh, oh. I had nothing. Because yep. there was nothing to justify at that Checkmate. point. I knew she was right. And and it was actually just in that moment, right? Just just sort of like that day when I was 15, sopping my eyes, out, you know, looking at my reflection in the mirror, thinking, what the hell happened to me? Here I was, my wife's eyes were basically that mirror now, yeah. you know? And she sees something in me that I can't see in myself, but she believes in me. And I made a commitment to her and my daughters right then and there. I'd go one year without drinking. Now, I know there's a lot of people think, well, it sounds like you might have been an alcoholic. This might have been something out of your control. I was never out of control. I knew I, I'm someone that prides himself on knowing my choices and also knowing sure. the actions I do. I own everything yep. I do. I'm, it's all good. Yep. I was there. I hit mute on the phone. I turned it off. Oh, sorry, babe. I didn't even know what time it was. Oh, my battery died. You know, I, yeah. I, I mean, geez. I, that, yeah, it just, right. I was conscious yep. of all those silly decisions I was making. And yep. So after that, uh, I, I made a commitment to a year, and within about six weeks, I realized how hard that that commitment was. And mm. um, because you brought it up earlier, that idea of that social pressure or those influences that are our closest connections, and all my closest connections, especially the males that I associated with, I mean, vulnerability wasn't ever practiced. I mean, it was always surface based conversations or business based conversations. Yep. Or bagging about our relationships, you know, that was like yeah. the extent of it. Um, and we'd often always have alcohol around that. So, you know, within six weeks, I was like, who's my friends? You know, because yeah. they stopped calling me and I stopped calling them because it was yeah. weird. I remember going out to USC one night, you know, where they're ordering drinks and pitchers and I'm drinking, you know, soda. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, by the Absolutely. second pitcher, I already realized it was like, oh my gosh, I, I can't connect to these guys. Yep. And uh, I remember literally dumping on my wife one night, like verbal diarrhea, just blah, 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 blah. it was the first time, like, she just said, what's going on with you? Like, what's happening yeah. on the inside? And and she could tell I was hurting. Yeah. And we've been together almost a decade at that point. And, and I'd never really been openly honest with her, like to the full extent. And yeah, it's hard to do. Yeah. And like, she didn't even know about my past being an overweight kid. Like, I just like, that's how, she, you know, I, I really kept it close. Like now I don't care. I, I share this story. But back then I, I still had I harbored a lot of shame of it, mm-hmm. especially being someone that worked in the fitness space. I believe that it would actually tarnish. As I mean, opposed to, to yeah, as opposed to yeah. lift, edify your, yeah. you know, your results, show the fruit, you know. But it's, yeah. it's, that's just where I was. And that's where my mindset was, my ego was. And, um, and it was just weird, but I felt this feeling in me that I just, I, I got to, I got to tell her everything and really explain yeah. how I'm feeling. At least try. I don't really know how I'm going to do this, but I'm going to try. And it was just, I just poured everything out. And Isn't um, that such a cool feeling? Like well, I've had situations yeah. with my wife. We've been together going on 20, actually oh, we've been together awesome. longer than 20 years, but married for almost 20 years. That's amazing. Where, and how much as a guy, as a dude, like we hide, you know what I mean? Yeah. About ourselves yes. and about our thoughts and what we're going through. And when 
sometimes it's because something happens and you just can't avoid it. You're like, oh crap, I'm just, okay, I'm just going to, she's going to hate me now. Right. <laughs> and then when you can just let that out to that person who nobody, you know, alive and breathing cares as maybe if you, you still get your mom or something like that, your dad, but nobody cares you as for you as much as that person. Cause they're, they know your garbage and baggage. And when you can just yeah. kind of release that and all of a sudden, cause you're, you build up, oh, they're going to judge me. All yes. these things are going to now, now they're not going to respect me anymore. But all of a sudden it's like the opposite of that. There's exactly. more love. There's more grace. There's more, there's, there's less judgment. There's uh, it's, it's really cool. I've had, I love that you're saying all that because I, I needed to discover that myself by actually going through the action and just trusting that something good would happen from this cathartic release and being this open with my wife. And and yeah. I remember she let me go. It must have been about 40 minutes, but she, you know, she was a very generous listener. You know, she would hold my hand, touch my thigh, like eye contact, you know, just messaging, saying like, you know, it's going to be okay. I love you. Yeah. So I felt really safe, heard and seen. Yeah. And I was also opening up emotionally, which I'd never done before. Because, you know, I, I think back to my dad. I mean, he, I remember him telling stories. Like, he, he remembered his parents telling him, I love you, like, twice. And it's like, you know, 70 mm -hmm. plus years of his life, you know, on this planet, only being told that a couple times. And so, he was very stoic in nature, but also non-emotive, right? And mm -hmm. so, I, I mean, I can count on one hand how many times my dad said he, he loves me, you know? And, um, oh, yeah. and and so, again, he was just modeling and, and repeating what he grew up in. And I, so I don't begrudge him for that at all. But here I was, you know, telling this to my wife, and she just at the end of it, I'm just there, and I'm like, like pretty tired, you know, like yeah. it, it is exhausting, right? Just getting <laughs> completely transparent with people. And she looked at me and she said, "Thank you, I love you. It's going to be okay. And I think you should talk to somebody." Uh, <laughs> you know, uh, and, okay, I just did. <laughs> I, that was exactly my response. Exactly. I was like, what do you mean? I just talked to you. And, and, you know, and she was right, but I had a huge stigma against mental health professionals at, back then. Yeah. Again, I'm 47 now. So this is 15 years ago. I because also the people I associated with, you know, if it was ever brought up that you saw a therapist or that or something oh, like that, I mean, up. it was you're done. Yeah, yeah exactly. Like him. Exactly. Yeah. And, and, but yet I went out, found a psychologist, worked with him for about five months. We, we went to a relationships counselor for all those that are, you know, couples yeah, out yeah. there that cool. yeah, yeah. We, we, we started but first session in you know she's looking across at us on the couch and she's like hey christy i think it's gonna be better if dad comes back for a few sessions by himself oh. <laughs> and so oh. it was like you know we're going in together but i gotta go back on my own so uh, but that's okay i i fully just like when i was 15 i committed to getting healthy i was just like i'm yeah. going all in i'm gonna do the things that, that, that they say you should do and it, i bet you it's gonna produce different results than i'm getting playing video games watching movies and eating the food i mean I was right. like, I, I mean, it can't lose on this one because yep. it's completely different. It's taking me a different direction. So I trust that it's going to work. And sure enough, within that first month, like I told you, I was experiencing wins, which just confirmed the hope and belief that I had. And so the same thing here, giving up the alcohol, I was like, I'm going to go all in. I'm going to do the inner work that everyone's talking about. I want to, I want to, you know, focus on me inside. And yep. uh, within about six months, you know, it, it felt like a veil had been lifted. It's the only way I can really describe it. Like I just, I just stopped thinking about alcohol. It wasn't even a thought anymore, but I was starting mm -hmm. to learn how to connect with people without it. And I also changed all my association, all yeah. of it. like all of it. Like I, I couldn't change the people around me. So I just changed the people around me, you know? And it was just I mean, like, how does that, how does that say? Yeah, I, that's a good one. I, yeah, I think I saw that somewhere from you. It was uh, my, <laughs> one of the ones yeah. that, that I heard years ago was, you know, we're, you know, we're the average of, yes. General. you take the five people you spend most of your time with that your income is going to be the average, your lifestyle is going to be the average, the way you think it's, it's true. And right. So you want to make some changes, you got to make some changes. So true. And, and so, so I did. And it, you know, everything really just got better, like for lack of better way to describe it, but it, it just did everything. I like, and I think largely because my, my internal perspective of myself started to change and yeah. that started to change how I saw the world as well. And, and I just felt myself having this deep desire to want to impact people in a greater way. And that's where I really started to get online and doing a lot more social online content to support people with, with change and health and fitness and nutrition and just really to help them with the mindset of change. Yeah. And, but at the same time, we were still building my previous retail business with a business partner. And so I just did everything on this, this social media side of things just for fun. Yeah. Because it made me feel good. 
Right. But sure enough, you know, a few years later, I, I've got a, a friend of mine that's into the social media marketing space and all that. He's like, and you know, let's look at my website analytics and look at my socials. And he's like, dude, you you know, you can make money doing this stuff. And I'm like, what? You get money for this? Like <laughs> huh? posting content, you get paid for this stuff? Yeah. And he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You should really look into it. And then, anyway, so I started to treat it a bit more seriously, but uh, my brand outgrew uh, the corporate brand that I was building with a business partner and a whole team mm -hmm. of people, you know, employees had about a hundred people at that time. And uh, there were some little rumblings going on inside the organization. People were feeling very threatened by what I was doing outside mm. of work and uh, writing was on the wall. I, I knew that I wasn't feeling fulfilled there and I wanted to make some changes. So I ultimately left after 17 years and started doing what I'm doing now, you know? Yeah. yeah. And that leads me to a really good question because like I hope I hope our audience sees this in you too because this is what I saw when you know a couple weeks back when we kind of connected and we we're gonna yeah. get together and do this show. I try to I, I can't spend too much time doing it. I try to learn as much about folks as I can before I talk to them so I have an idea what it's gonna be like, right? And I I I, I genuinely got the impression that this guy seems like a he's got fruit on the tree. He knows what he's talking about because he's doing it and he is it. B seems super humble. Uh, seems relatable. Um, when I when I hear him talk, even you know whether it's to a person one on one on a podcast or to a group, you know, it I don't get the uh, I'm drinking my own Kool Aid vibe. So and because yeah. that's that's something whether you're an entrepreneur and you're just trying to build a, a small traditional type business, you're running to that a lot. Mm. Of and I was talking to Matt about this today, prepping for the show. I was like, I really want to dig in to you, die and find out how do you balance being the brand and mm -hmm. not getting drunk off the Kool-Aid of the brand of you, right? Because it's you, because I've seen so many folks just fall into the, this narcissism path. Yes. Of, I of, it. And it's so sad. And it's like, golly, man, um, how do you do it? Well, that's a really good question. And, and there was some intentionality. I think it's because when I started on social, there was never any business plan with that. You know what I mean? Like I was doing it surely because it made me feel good. I had gone through that big change myself. So I felt this need to want to help others. So a positive feedback loop, a little bit of good positive yeah. dopamine from doing something to that feels good. Oh, right? totally. It, yeah. and, and it did. It made me feel amazing. And it also, we started to build community, you know, just oh, yeah. connecting with others that wanted to experience a little bit of what I had already experienced, you know, just like a hero's journey, you know, I went through some changes. There were some important people that helped me along the way. You oh, yeah. get to the top of that mountain, you turn back to say, holy crap, I made it all the way up. That, that's pretty good. But inevitably, you see people down there at the bottom struggling to get started. And and I felt like I had to go down and help them, you know, mm -hmm. and, and so there was always this desire to help others first because selfishly it made me feel great. <laughs> and, and my wife and, also shares yeah. that, that she, I mean, she's always been that way to, to a fault, to be quite honest. I'm like, you know, I, I bug her sometimes. I'm like, man, you got to save some for yourself too, babe. Yeah. You know, like, <laughs> and, and she gets that now, but in the early days when we first started, I mean, it was all about everybody else. She always put herself last, you know, the, the yeah. cliche we hear, right. All the time. And, yeah. uh, but long and short of it, when I started into this, I, I just, there was always a filter through which I passed any content that I put out to the world. And this reflects even in my business today. It's like, if, if the content's not going to inspire, educate, and motivate, and if I can't do it, at least in a fun way that is somewhat entertaining or in an introspective way, why am I putting the content out there? Right. Yeah. And that's just the questions that I ask myself every time before I put a piece of content out. And it's also from that framework and understanding who I'm speaking to largely, which are very much people that are just like me, maybe just a couple of years behind me on the same journey. Mm -hmm. And and so I relate really well to them because most of my audience is between 35 to 55. And they're, they're looking at like, you know, this first half of life's been pretty good. But if I don't make some changes, the second half of life that I'm staring down the road at here, <laughs> it looks like it's gonna be really hard. <laughs> mm -hmm. And and so they're ready to make changes, you know, and uh, but they just don't know how to start. And so uh, for me, it wasn't so much about balance because, to be honest, the, the more I tried to balance things, the more frustrating it became because, you know, you focus on one thing, you can't focus on this over here. And we had started, you know, ultimately after a couple of years, we, we decided I, I wrote a book and, you know, I transitioned out of my last company. We, we went traveling. We took the kids out of school. And I had no idea what the hell I was doing. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you yeah. know? And uh, but I, I was having fun. I was getting some cool little campaign work. I was doing some speaking. You know, there was there was some coaching happening. It was all stuff that made me feel really good. Yeah. And I had to figure out how to harmonize 
my personal life and my professional life to make them much more integrated, but also feeling like I wasn't over-investing in one and not the other. Because we, we all know if we put a lot into our personal life, sometimes it, you know, it might detract from our business, our mm-hmm. business performance, et cetera, depending on how you've set things up and vice versa. We go all in on our businesses and all those hours go there and all the attention. Well, what energy do we have left for our personal life? And so for me, it's like, how do you harmonize these better rather than trying to balance? Because balance, you know, there's always going to be something out of whack. But if you can get them both working much more effectively together, like a symphony with all these different sounds, yet we put them all together, give them a, you know, a beat and you got a guy there directed. I mean, it's incredible. You got, you know, hundred pieces, different instruments, and, and it just creates this beautiful work of art, you know? Right, and, yeah. uh, and so that's what I strive to do with a lot of the things I do is just how do I create more harmony? And yeah, it, it's that's a really systems, good point. man, systems and operations and good people. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's, uh, that's, that's, yeah. that's it too. It's like where you can't really, in your case, you're, you, you're not genuine if you're not who you are in your business as you are in your home, right? Thank you. A lot yes. of things you're coaching people is like, you got to be genuine that way. And when you got, when you're dealing with people and so many people are coming, oh, great job. I, you know, you're inspiring me. And I, like, I, I, I have a lot of folks like, just in my day, hey, I love what you're doing, Brian, and or, you know, with the business here at Panacea and what we're doing and yeah. our employees. And like, I've always got, what what I'm doing is I'm always trying to remember who put me where I am, you know, and point at them, right? It's Great. like, That's yeah, awesome. I might I may have made a good decision and I'm doing and this is working, but I wouldn't have made that decision if it wasn't for yeah. that person or if it wasn't for that advice or if it wasn't for that book that I read when I was standing on those shoulders, right? Exactly. And because there was that time when I was just meandering and wandering and didn't really know, you know, up from down. I I love that, Brian, and I I agree with you you know it's 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 the people that have assisted us along the way and i always try to give you know credit where credit's due and i've had some really amazing mentors both directly and indirectly like you said through books through content through courses through masterminds and and i just made a point of just wanting to learn and keep yeah. on learning but the easiest way to learn is also learn from people that have already done it you know it's right. just like hey don't touch that stove it's hot i yeah. know i touched it <laughs> totally right and it's yeah. but it, it's helped so much you know like it's helped uh, give me the clarity because with clarity you get confident and when yeah. you get confident you take more decisive intentional action take and you risks. stop procrastinating yeah you know yep. yeah like, absolutely take an action yeah yeah, it, yeah it's it's funny i'd, I'd earlier when we were talking a few minutes back, I'd said, you know, I'd love to go back. I'd make some different decisions. And that's true. Right. I would only on one condition. If I could have what I have now. Yeah. Still go back, make some different decisions and see what would happen. But I I don't want anything to change about what I have now because I love it. Yeah. The good and the bad. You know what I mean? And it's, and we are, yeah, I mean, there's a nature versus nurture, that constant debate that goes on. And it's both, right? It's our culmination of all that, plus our life experiences that ultimately make us who we are. And, but the cool thing is, it's constantly evolving. Yeah. You know, Buddha said 2,500 years ago, hey, yo, 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 I'm sitting underneath this tree. I just had this great vision, but I know something about the universe I got to share with you. Nothing stays as it is, everything's changing constantly. Oh, yeah, constantly. But in the last hundred years, science caught up and said, oh my God, Buddha, he was right. You know, we got you know, nothing but space. It's so funny because, <laughs> yes, no, everything changes, but at the same time, nothing's new under the sun. Correct. Yes. Isn't that, yes. Isn't that cool? It is cool. So, but I think when you really think about that, like your relationship with how change sort of comes in and goes out of your life constantly, it, it just becomes more, well, I find it easier to accept it, not to be mm-hmm. so um, anti-change. You know, there's been parts of me like that are like, oh, I wish we could just lock this moment forever you know and nothing would ever change but it will and the more you yep. try to hold on to it and not let it change is where we create that opportunity to to be disappointed to Absolutely. get depressed you know to, to to really feel poorly about things but i love your your train of thought there i mean if you could go back but know that you would still come to the outcome that you're at right now <laughs> great awesome you know it's i years ago i heard someone speak his uh name is chris brady but he he did a speech and he did, uh, he, what he talked about in front of about 15,000 people was, um, you know, what if the butterfly effect is completely wrong? He goes, I don't, mm. I don't believe it's true. He's like, I believe that no matter what, my destiny was to be with my wife. 
Mm. Right? I could go back and have done d- different things and stepped off the path and done here, but I believe that God put me on this path where he was going to he mm. was going to bring me to to this person anyway. And I'm like, that's a really cool way to look at it. You know what I mean? To say that I have this vector and I was going to get here anyway. You know what I mean? Cuz then you're not constantly going back thinking, "Oh, if I had only done this, if I had only done that." Cuz you can take advantage of the moment and the moments that come next if you're not constantly thinking Man, if I would have only done this differently, if I would have only asked her to dance at the junior high dance, you know, all these different things, right? And that does you no good. That's right. And also, right? I mean, it's interesting because, yeah, you, you can sort of jump into that predetermination type of thing, right? It's like, wow, <laughs> it was all predestined, right? It was just, it was meant to be. It is what it is, yeah. you know? And right. But but I, I, I mean, I had a moment with my friend last night. We were talking about it and just the same idea, right? It was just like, Sometimes you just got to wonder, it's like, how did this happen? Like, I, I just look at my wife, I look at my kids and I'm like, <sighs> had I made one decision different, would my life not be here right now? Like with these people, right. you know, and it's just, it's just remarkable when you really start to unpack that. I know it's, you know, it's mental masturbation, you know, talking well, philosophy. You know, but so many things can happen in our lives, you know, whether it's in business, uh, mm-hmm. a, a bad meeting that didn't go the way you want to go, yeah. you didn't close a deal, whatever, or in life. Where, you know, example with my wife and I years ago, we, we had an issue where we had uh, um, uh, a miscarriage and it was, it was hard, it was really hard. Yeah. It wasn't even, it was way harder for my wife because there's so many other things going on there. But it's like, and you start to get to, and man, what would, what would that child have turned into? Who would they have been? Mm, all the yeah. things we would have seen and the birthdays and all the right. But we have, we've had, we've had two more children since then. <laughs> you know yeah and what if what if that child we never got to meet we had but we didn't have the ones we have now yes. and all the magic and all the love and all the all, you know all it's like so you can't i mean you you learn from your past yes. you don't want to forget it Thank but you. you can't you can't dwell and live there and just meander because those things that you can lose all hope and a lot of people do and i mm. just, i always i pray that people don't you know get in because things can stack up and get really bad when you lose hope like you can you can go how what's the saying you can go how long without drinking water how long without eating food but you can't live another minute when you once you lose hope you know and if people could only hear more and more stories about those terrible things that can happen in people's lives but if you just dig three more feet and you you'll find gold don't stop don't stop because there's something around the corner right Oh, I love that. You know, I, I think, you know, Brian, you're saying it so well. And, and it, you know, there's there's gems in what you're saying, but it, I, I can also tell there's experience that builds the belief in what you're saying, right? Oh, it's yeah, like, for sure. Like for sure. And that's, that's in, part right, of the really reason we, we started this cast yeah. is I, I want to meet people and I want to hear stories, but I want <laughs> people to hear stories. And that's why I try to dig into those those things where people, you know. Uh, you know, I, 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 I used to do this in interviews when I'd interview for jobs and you'd be talking mm-hmm. to the executive and the big boss. And, um, you know, I'd always ask, you know, I, I, when I'd get to the point where I get to ask, tell me about some of your greatest, you know, wins as, you know, executive for this company. And they'd tell me, and I always followed up, tell me about the hardest things you ever had to overcome. Because uh, yeah. I wanted to make sure that the people that I worked with and for were humble enough to tell me about their some of their worst situations and how they got through it because those are the kind of people i wanted to be around you know that's i mean that's beautiful i mean that's how we learn i mean it's how we grow right it's 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 the things that we do when we're knocked down i mean that's the resilience that usually pulls us up but resilience if it's not built up i mean it's like a muscle you you don't use it you're gonna lose it you know it's not just a cliche it's true and and i find that there's a lot of things that 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 same adage relates to right and Mm -hmm. uh and you know, as they always say, the way you do anything is the way you do everything. And uh, <laughs> I, I, I remind myself of that all the time because I, I see myself. Like you know, if I'm perfectly transparent, there's yeah, is there areas that I can prove in? Oh my God, there's lots of them. You know, and it's being very intentional. What am I doing to move the needle in the right direction? And and so we have to have that sort of habit around introspecting and being honest. And really just asking good questions, you know, and, yeah. but Speaking we never stop question, asking them, you know, I've got a good question. Yeah. What, you do a lot of these casts. You talk to a lot of people. You move, mm-hmm. What's something that you've never really been asked about before mm-hmm. that's maybe interesting or that you've wanted to talk about, but no one's kind of really just hit on. You know what? The funny thing is, is no one really talks about CrossFit. 
<laughs> you know, like, I think people shifted. are scared of it. Well, they <laughs> are, but it's it's I, I'm like I'm very prolific. I, I let people know I'm 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 big into CrossFit. I love CrossFit, you know, and it changed my like when I discovered it in 2007. It and I already been in the fitness industry for over a decade at that point. Like it just completely gave me a paradigm shift in how to train, how to get results, but also what was possible. With all right, let's talk about you know. it then because I, I'm I'm super interested in it. Okay, let me let me let me grease the wheel a little bit. Tell me, a, I'll tell you a little bit of my fitness story, and let's I want it. you to tell me, Brian, why the hell are you not doing CrossFit? Okay. <laughs> so I'm 44 now. Yeah. When I was about 29, I was about 240 pounds. I'm six two. That's too heavy for me. I should be a little under 200, right? And I noticed it. And my little moment, like that you had when you're in your teens, was that I'm driving. I used to work for the Boy Scouts. So I had to do a lot of driving in between mm -hmm. counties and meet mm -hmm. with volunteers and stuff. I'm driving. I'm hitting bumps. And I can feel my belly. Oh, yeah. And it was the first time I ever felt that. And I'm like, that's not good. <laughs> I don't like that. And all of a sudden, I'm more self-conscious. I can feel you know things jiggling back mm -hmm. here and stuff. And and I'm like, I'm going to do something about it. I didn't know what I was going to do. Do something about it, similar to your journey. And then what I I like my my buddy Chris, who I was talking about before, who we're not too close anymore. He had just recently started this, and it's funny because at night I I'm, we always talk to each other and we played video games and stuff. And I'm sitting there eating like 12 tacos from Taco Bell in my basement in front of the TV, and I'm talking to him. And he's uh, he's like, hey man, I gotta go. I gotta go do something. I'm like, what? what you, this is what we do. What do you mean you gotta go do something? He's like, yeah, I'm I'm trying to get back into shape. I just bought this program, and I'm gonna go do it. And I'm like, I'm like, really? Because I'm just having this moment, you know, going on in my mind. I'm like, what? What is it? He's like, it's it's called P90X. I'm like, what the heck is that? Tony Horton. It sounds <laughs> weird. And and he's like, no, it's crazy. It's crazy. You see CDs. I pop them in and it's nuts and I feel like I'm going to die. Uh, and like, I'm not trying to de-edify Chris here, but he wasn't really all that athletic of a dude. Good right. basketball player, athletic, but body type, not necessarily. Right. And I'm like, I'll give it a shot. Nice. I'll do it. And he's like, what? I'm like, yeah. Because like Skype was just getting big, you know, back then. I'm like, I'll pop out my laptop. Let's get into a Skype meeting. Put the TV, put the laptop camera in front of the TV. I'll do it with you. So I moved stuff out of my way in the basement, nice. and it was like it was all push-ups and pull-ups and mm. and like ninety minutes of it. And I got done with half of it. Forty-five minutes. I'm upstairs hugging my my <laughs> toilet because I thought I was gonna puke. And I never puked from oh, workouts or man. anything. And I'm down there. I'm like, sucks, but that was awesome. I'm going to totally keep doing this. And we, every day, I, I said, okay, tomorrow we're getting up at 5.30. You got to get up early. We're going to do this. Turn your Skype on. Every day we do it. I, I, wow. I set up my garage to start doing it. So awesome. And because when I find something that kicks my butt, I'm like, yeah. that's going to work. Yeah. And so we start every morning, 5.30 in the morning. And it, it's like he started getting busy because he was building a business and he would just turn, put his laptop on, pop the CDs in the TV and put it in front of it and he would go off, get ready for a shower and leave. Wow. And I would be the one doing it before I know it. Maybe every once in a while he was there. But as, and if you'd forget, I'm like, Chris, you better turn that on. Cause I didn't have the CDs. Eventually he just gave me the CDs. Nice. And I, I probably went through that 90 day program six or seven times over Oof. and over Good and over. You. I just had it memorized. It got to yeah. a point where and before he gave me the CDs, I just knew what the workouts were going to be doing every day. And I had them written down in a notebook and I would just do them and I would just do them. And I, I got I got medium I got strength and uh, I got endurance results, but yeah. I didn't get the look results because I didn't change the food. I wasn't doing any of the mm. the diet things. The diet stuff started to happen. But anyway, I got in really good shape. Had kids that changed. I'm in a little bit better shape now. But I've always and that, that was a little bit before CrossFit got big. Like high yeah. interval, high intensity interval training was getting big around that time, and then. Um, but I, then CrossFit starts coming up and I see crazy people flipping tires yeah. and doing wacky one-handed pull-ups and just, just getting after it. I'm like, that looks really cool, but I don't have time for that. You know, and, yeah. and before you know it, it goes by and I, I've never yeah. been a buddy of mine. I think he still does it here locally. So like, what's, how do you get into it? I, I you know, it's, it's intimidating because you got yeah. the people in there doing it and I'm going to be the dude that shows up and I'm not, I can keep up with that, you know? <laughs> and you know I, I i get exactly what you're saying because i always sort of acknowledge this when I, I so i do a lot of foundations classes because i just i love it so i i do still coach in crossfit yeah um 
And so the Foundations Tech programs is usually just a soft introduction to introduce you to the principles and the movements. For the soft and, people like me. Well, it's not so much soft. When I say soft, it's just, it's less intimidating because you get that one-on-one handholding as you get ready. Yeah. So I usually recommend yeah. start with a foundational type program, get some one-on-ones just so you break the ice. But you have to understand it's functional movements and they are mm-hmm. done at high intensity and it's constantly varying. And, and that's really the, the the core definition of CrossFit. But it draws on so many different disciplines. Yeah, we have Olympic weightlifting. Yeah, we have track and gymnastic type elements. You know, like these three pieces all play together to form these variety of different workouts. But the crazy thing is, is that you're using so many more muscle groups than most of us are ever used to using. And what I mean by that is I was a gym guy. So I did a lot of the big muscle groups all the time. And then once in a while, mm-hmm. I did a little accessory stuff. But the main thing was like bench press, squat, you know, deadlifts, like just the very traditional. And it also can get really quite boring, you know, doing the same thing day in, day out for a fixed routine. And so I was kind of hungry for something. I'd also sort of let myself go at that point. So even though yeah. I was in the fitness space, I was feeling kind of like an imposter because I, you know, my body fat percentage got up into the 20 percentile, which wasn't normal yeah. for me. Like I'm just normally I'm quite active and as a result, fairly lean. And so I was having that same sort of experience that you were having sitting in in your car, you know, and, and feeling things jiggle. And and I remember selling them a bunch of equipment when they opened the facility. And so there was always this open invitation. I could come in and try it. Okay. So I went in and I tried the first session. And the owner, Patty, took me through this, whatever they, they call it, their uh, sort of introduction to CrossFit workout. And so you get one-on-one with the coach and they just take you through these short little workouts, which are more like fitness tests to figure out where you're starting from. See where you're at, yeah. There's a picture of me up against a chain link fence, dry heaving. <laughs> <You know? laughs> yes. <laughs> And I'm getting sweaty just talking about this guy. I'm telling uh, you, man. It, it was, but it was awesome because it was so humbling. Okay, Brian, yeah, I, I thought I was a yeah, pretty healthy yeah. guy. And there was just nope. this instant shift where I was like, man, it wasn't even that much. I really didn't do that much today in this like 40 minutes that we were working together. And I'm absolutely knackered. And in fact, I, I don't think I've ever challenged myself to that level before. But realize what I was pushing myself to, Somebody else that was just getting started that was leaner and a little bit fitter, they would have had a different experience. Yeah. But it was equally challenging for the two of us. You know, I might have done a few less reps, but for me, it was just as hard based on my body type, my age, my gender. And so we have to keep in mind that that's the thing. It's highly individualized, even though it is a group program, you're there for yourself. And Mm -hmm. it's the community that was the piece that really solidified for me. I made some incredible friends. People were there cheering you on. They might finish the workout first, but they'd be coming to cheer on the people that weren't quite done yet. Yeah. And I was like, this is awesome. You know, like it's just it, the camaraderie, you could cut it with a knife. And it was encouraging. There was all these different body types, genders, ethnicities. I was just like, this is this is where I want to hang out. And so it created this really positive emotional connection, psychological connection, which from a motivation and inspiration standpoint to keep going, especially from an accountability. I mean, if you get all that, just getting up in the morning and showing up is easier. You know, it's just easier. And and that's what I did. I kept showing up. I've never seen my body and I hadn't made any commitments to the nutrition change just like yourself. But just because doing the workouts four or five days a week, you know, going in, that's like four to five hours in the gym. You know, you're in and out in an hour in CrossFit. That's the typical. And within four months, my physique completely changed. Yeah, I can imagine. That's, yeah. that's serious work. Yeah, well, that's it, serious work. It's fun though. It's like, it is yeah, a lot absolutely. of fun. It is constantly changing. And, uh, you know, there's all body types welcome. And I just encourage people, give it a try. Like, don't, don't Google it. <laughs> don't watch the documentaries online. Save that for later. Just, just go in, have yeah. an experience, see what you think. But, you know, don't base your decision on just going to one. Like, you might want to go around to a couple. And, yeah. Yeah, it's like I equate it to like Toastmasters, right? Toastmasters is a nonprofit. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, yep. it's great, great. Just it's a great program to help you improve as a speaker, but also as a leadership uh, in leadership yep. skills. And, you know, but it is a nonprofit, so it doesn't cost very much. It's also rivet, you know, run by volunteers. So, yep. you know, there's a certain quality and each club will be slightly different. And I always say, you know, just just go around to a bunch of different ones until you find the one that you feel like you belong in. You know, and that's the same with CrossFit. Don't just join something to sake for joining it. You got to find a place that you feel like you belong. Right. And because yeah. when you find that, like, 
the likelihood of results happen just by you showing up and developing this new lifestyle because of the association, positive mm -hmm. reinforcement, oh, yeah, and as well as great coaching, yeah. you know? So yeah, it changed my life, man. And now, you know, I've been in it a long time, like I said, 20, uh, 16 years now. And uh, yeah. I love it. I just love it. Cool. So what's next for you, Di? Ah. Now, what's the next big thing you're eyeing up? <laughs> well, for me, you know, uh, on the professional side, I launched a podcast 11 weeks ago. And uh, that's been a whole new journey for me. I absolutely love it. I'm enjoying the medium. It's, it's called The 2% Solution. It's just based on my, my book that was published a number of years ago and, and uh, just gearing people on how to best use 30 minutes a day to see improvement physically, emotionally, spiritually, and, and okay. psychologically, you I'll know, check and it so out. 2% solution. Yeah. Okay. Thanks man. Yeah. And so that's been really fun. That's, that's really what's been my main focus. And then I got a couple other side projects, a, a couple startups I'm just working with. And, uh, but you know, to be honest on the personal side, that's what's got me more excited is I'm getting back into doing, you know, Spartan races and tough mutters. Oh, so you're a Spartan guy. Yeah. I love it. I, I love did it. A Spartan I've been doing in 2017. I want to uh, get back to doing it again, but I got, but it was, it was awesome. It what a hit. fun sport, right? Like, oh, it's so fun. Like, so it's interesting. I, I connected with a guy and so his name is Chris Swanson. He's a, he's actually a sheriff in Michigan. He's actually kind of quasi famous now. He's a neat guy, super high energy cool. guy, super, super fit dude. Look him up. I think you'll like him. Anyway, he, uh, he challenged me. He said, Brian, you got to commit to doing something that you, that you know is going to be hard and, but you got to commit. So he's like, what is it? He's like, it's got to be something competitive. It's got to be something you got to get after. I said, I've always wanted, I've seen this Spartan thing. I've always wanted to do it. It looks yeah. awesome. He's like, okay, so go do it. Go sign up. I'm like, what? <laughs> I'm like, I'm not ready. He's like, he's like, so pick a, pick a date and time six months out in advance. That's plenty of time. You're not in that bad of shape and buy the ticket, do it, commit. Cause if you don't, you Sorry. won't, you'll let yourself slough off like, oh, cause it's, it's not, crazy cheap not crazy expensive not crazy cheap no. i'm like okay so i found one it was a state where i had to travel to get there yeah. it was in michigan in wisconsin so i had to go under the lake and yeah it's, i i found a i found a, a training program online for the mm -hmm. for the super spartan the 11 9 to yeah. 11 mile one yeah because i wanted I, I wasn't ready for the beast i didn't think i was gonna attack that one but i didn't want to do the baby one i'm like i'm going that one and yeah i trained for six months and just it was awesome. And then the it's crazy. It, I remember I, I cramped up. I hate drinking water and stuff while I'm, mm. and I'm a, I'm a sprinter by nature. So I was never yeah. a long distance runner. I ran cross country once just to, so my buddies would play football <laughs> on the team because they were cross country guys. So I ran cross country. It sucked. Yeah. But so I, I don't like the feeling of being full of water. So I didn't drink mm. almost the whole time doing this race. And at the last, mile i started to cramp up going up and down these all these stairs and then oh it was it was brutal at the end i finished and i'm like up on my toes walking around you know and but the next day i just felt this huge amount of fatigue it was a, for a month i felt fatigued from that race but it was cool that's amazing though what a great cool. experience right i mean it just yeah, it completely shapes your it. perspective you, you know just on what's possible with your body you know and mind a cool group of yeah. people too oh, like great the group. vibe there at the event yeah. Yeah. was awesome i had my wife and my kids there with me and they were a lot younger awesome. then but music is playing and they're dancing around and everybody's like you know fired up or exhausted at the same time and but you felt inspired and everybody was like positive it was just good it's cool vibe. That's the exact same vibe I get with CrossFit communities, you know? I, yeah. And, and so I, I like to remind people because I think the two are very complementary. You know, it's like you do all this stuff in the gym, but it's nice to have something that you can do outside, you know, some sort of event-based, something that you have to train for. It gives you a little bit more intention with your, your showing up at the gym every day. And so I always like to have sort of that that as my carrot for myself, you know, to keep me focused and accountable, really. Yeah. And uh, But it's also it's just a fun thing to do. How many Spartans have you done? Uh, I think I've done six or seven Spartans wow. now, That's cool. um, and I've done six Tough Mothers. So, yeah, um, you know they're both different. I mean, it's, all, it's funny yeah. now they're owned by the same company now. But um, are they really? I didn't yeah, know that. So, Tough Mother. I guess when it, you know during COVID it, it hit some. Let's just say okay, they, they so. ran into some challenges, so Spartan acquired them. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Okay. So it's it's two in the one. I got uh, two a buddy in, in church, and he's a Tough Mother guy. He does it okay. all the time. And well, I played Spartan now. Interesting. So. Yeah, and yeah. Um, 
but I, I do like Spartans because I like that they offer five, ten, and then obviously the the super, which is the or the beast that's the equivalent. The beast is the equivalent distance is usually what a tough monitor is. Okay. So distance wise, but I like the fact that you can have the sprint, you can have the ten k. Yep. So just for people that are a bit more intimidated, because tough mutter is a big commitment. It's a half marathon. So, yeah. it, but it's very team orientated. That's the thing I love about tough mutter. It's all That's about the different team. Than the Spartan. Correct. Yeah. Spartans more individualistic. Even though you can still do it in teams, it's still all about what's your time. You know, like it's still. Yep. They want you to to crush it, you know, and yep. um, so there is a little bit of nuance between the two, but I, I like both. Um, it depends on how I'm feeling. Like if I'm bringing a big team, we had a team of uh, just over 80 people come up with us to do the Whistler one. And okay. it, I, I mean, I had a guy that was, you know, a guy that had been in recovery from heroin for 20 years, you know, with a, a you know, in his 60s, a bit overweight and, and he has a yeah. prosthetic leg, you know, and he was out there crushing it. And, uh, and then we, you know, we have guys down in like a, a, an 18 year old marathoner, right. That just crushed it. And, and so it was neat to see this huge variety of people, but all coming together to support each other and have fun and, and, and experience something, you know, and, and yeah. that's the stuff that gets me most excited in life is just seeing all these different cross sections of people in different stages of life and how they can come together for one thing and just have a, a, a shared experience. I just think it's just awesome. You know, it's uh yeah, absolutely. Makes you feel good about the world. <laughs> I bought, I bought throwing knives. I bought wow. broomsticks and an, and twine and I created my own oh, spears spear. for oh. that event because I didn't want to botch the spear event. So I want to do the burpees. So I like, yeah, I didn't want to do the burpees. Yeah. And I, I almost did the whole thing with no burpees. The, the, Good for you. The part that I that I didn't make is the at one of the last things I, I had to do was the, the rope climb. Rope climb. Yeah. It's and a lot of technique for the rope climb because it gets so muddy and wet, right? So it's like if you I don't have it technique, it's arms. hard. Yeah, and I got three quarters of the way, and my arms started to cramp up. My hands got GI Joe grip, you know, and it's yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> slid right down, and Ouch. off to the burpees. Yep. Burpees of shame. <laughs> <laughs> you only but, do one set of burpees. That's pretty darn good, though. That's, that's that really was my good. goal, and the training yeah. the whole time is I I knew if you had to stop to do the burpees a lot, that's going to kill your time. So, but anyway, that's great, man. Oh, I love it. I love it. So yeah, that's, yeah. that's pretty much it, man. Right now that's, that's the stuff that's got me most excited. And then, you know, it's just showing up for people. I really get a lot of value in that and helping men with just experiencing a little bit more clarity in life. So I saw you, are you still doing the, uh, the motivation Monday stuff? I saw some yeah, stuff yeah, online. Yeah, so it's, do you do yeah we, we put a bit of a pause cause I, I, there's somebody else that's doing the online stuff. Um, I'm just okay. about to start up in person again, but that's how it initially yeah. started when we were living in Bali. Like we had, this regular men's group that we meet every Monday yeah. and we called it mentorship Mondays. And uh, so I'm just getting one started again here in Vancouver because unfortunately COVID cool. just sort of threw a lot of that out. And I, I was just sick and tired of doing stuff on zoom, to be honest with you, especially during COVID. Oh, yeah. So I was like, I can't, yeah. yeah, I just, I had to let something go. And so I, I stopped doing the men's groups online, but um, yeah. I, I am excited to get back to that. Cool. That sounded, sounded pretty neat. So anybody watching, go look that up. What, what was it again? It was- uh, Mentorship Mondays. But if you look up my TEDx Mondays. talk, uh, Why Vulnerability yeah. is a Human Thing, or just look up Diamond yeah. Well, Ted, um, it, it, there's the story there, how that all came to be. But I also talk about the story about the alcohol, my wife asking me the question. So yeah, that's, that's if people want a bit stuff. more, that's that cool. will go a little bit deeper for them. Awesome. Well, they should. They should look into what you're doing because it's awesome. Let's end on this. What's- yeah. Kind of the coolest thing on a high note. What's one of the neatest stories that you've come across? Maybe people that you've got to spend some time with that um, that you think would be fun to share with that maybe you've never you've never uh, shared before. Like people like just that have had some opportunities to meet or like like actual. I mean, maybe yeah. does it. It doesn't have to be somebody famous or maybe yeah, somebody yeah. that we would not even know, but it's like, wow, this was a really cool thing that happened. Or maybe it was something that would be surprised us about something that somebody that we have heard of. Well, yeah, no, I, I mean, I've met some neat people. Like I, I remember I was traveling a couple of times and, and I, I like to do the CrossFit Open every year, which is sort of this yeah. global competition. I won't get into it, but um, even when I'm traveling, if I can't do it, the homework at my home gym where I train, I, I'm going to go and do it at another club. And, and so I, I was in LA and I went to Bricks CrossFit in, in Hollywood and okay. they needed to pair me up with the judge. And I turn around and it's Bob Harper, you know, biggest okay. loser, Bob Harper. And yeah. I was like, 
you're Bob Harper. <laughs> I'm like, I was like total fanboy, you know, like, cause I was yeah, like, yeah. you know, I appreciate what he did for the personal training industry, especially, I mean, I know there's some conflicting opinions and I have some very strong opinions about Biggest Loser. I don't endorse what they were doing, yeah. um, but I appreciate him and what he did for personal training, being a really positive face and brand for it. And so it was mm -hmm. just neat being able to interact with him directly and he was there judging me for that 20 minute workout, you know? So that wow. was actually really cool. It was just a fun experience. And it reminded me why, you know, I, I love that kind of a community, but also it was just, it was fun. You know, it was just a so really the, neat experience. I don't want to get back down that again. So yeah. I didn't know this about that. So in those kind of comp competitions, you have one-on-one -on -one judges judging your Typically. performance? Yes. Uh, to make sure for, you're doing them the right way or you're not cheating or something? Yeah, or it, well, it's because they have standards of movement. And so okay. they want to make sure that everyone's at least honoring the same standard because they're going to compare okay. your score globally to everybody else okay so this so is the that's preliminary like, that's the that's the yeah. goal post that's the yes the playing field right Correct. okay and i love it because as okay. a 45 plus guy now and that's sort of what they call the master's class i can see how do i compare to other guys between 45 to 49 around the world you know okay. they're doing the same workout that same week you know and i can just compare i can just see how do i measure up comparatively to the rest of the crossfitting community that's in the 45 to 49 class and so i, I really that's like wonderful. that because it gives me a better understanding of my own benchmarks and what's possible for me like there's guys and i'm like oh man how do those guys do that and it just inspires me to see some of these other guys just crushing it you know it keeps me going what's the toughest event or what's the toughest uh Thing you have to do in crossfit what's the thing you dread the most you know i i, I a lot of the gymnastics i'm in 215 6 1 so i've I got a bit of weight on my bones and uh uh gymnastic movements six, especially one, two, the, so you gotta have some muscle mass there yeah well i got a lot yeah lots of muscle mass and uh but the rings are tough the rings are tough yeah. like for me like i could do them but it just i have to exert a lot of energy to do it okay so. And handstand walking. I'm still, I'm okay at it, but not great at it. So That's, handstand walking is one of the things. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Well, <laughs> as you get more advanced, they start to just make things a bit more challenging for you. You know? Yeah. yeah. Okay, cool. Well, all right, bud, this has been great. I wish we had a lot, lot more time. Let's keep in touch. Thank um, you, Brian. I think you got a lot to offer. Not, not just obviously our, our fan base that we're trying to grow here, but you're, you're doing great things. I can't wait to see uh, what you're up to next. Oh, thank you, Brian. I love what you're putting out in the world. Honestly, this, these conversations being captured and then shared. And, uh, you know, I, I always appreciate being a fly on the wall for some of these types of conversations. And the fact that you put the time and energy and the resources to produce this kind of content. I mean, it's, I just look at media nowadays and you can't help but just see all the negative. Oh, yeah. To see people yeah. doing something purposefully to offset the negative scale to something more positive. I, I think we need more of this. So thanks for just being yep. a good role model, but Absolutely. also a, a great example, man. Appreciate that, bud. Thanks, man. All right, dude. D die. Have a great one. Thanks, Keep man. Keep it up, man. Thanks, Brian.